Welcome to Around the Diamond, Ottawa's source for baseball talk. This is Shortstop Junior Rojo with the Rockland Boulders. This is your boy Reggie Abercrombie. Hey, this is your boy Coop. This is Josh Wood. Hey, what's up? It's your boy Kenny Bryant from the Ottawa Champions. This is Quebec Capital's third baseman and pitcher Lachlan Fontaine. Hey, this is Ottawa Champion second baseman Albert Cartwright all the way from the Bahamas. You're listening to Around the Diamond with my man Diamond Dante on CKDJ 107.9. Profiling players' careers and their life outside of baseball. Now, here's your host, Diamond Dante. Seb high and deep to right, and that's out Cartwright, and that's a walk-off single. Albert Cartwright wins the ballgame. Mastro Berti comes in to score. Duarte up the middle, and that's the ballgame. Wilson, the one-two, big cut, and he struck him out. Wilson back-to-back strikeouts on a slider in the dirt. Tissenbaum swings at that one. And your co-host. Chambers flying into third with a triple. Chambers is back. He looks up and it's off the top of the wall. Fires it back into second base. And they got him. Chambers slaps it the other way. Louis Cardinals World Series champion Adron Chambers. In the air to left, well hit. Back is Craig. What a team. What a ride. The Cardinals are world champs in 2011. Welcome to the one year anniversary of Around the Diamond here on CKDJ 1079. You're listening to episode 51. And of course, if you heard in our uh, in our intro to the show, Adron Chambers uh, will be not with us once again as he is currently uh, with the, um, or he's in uh, Pensacola right now and he will not be joining us on the show. But uh, right off the bat, uh, I want to thank everybody that has tuned in to Around the Diamond over the past year and the past 51 episodes. It's been a, a really nice ride. And uh, my first ever episode was on March 5th. It was a Sebastian Boucher and Hal Lanier uh, joining me here on Around the Diamond. Seb Boucher will join us next week along with Matt Padgett. But let's look towards this week's show. Coming up next, Hal Lanier is going to join us all the way from uh, from Florida. And he's going to talk about all the moves that he's made uh, this past offseason. And I'm really looking forward to see uh, what Hal Lanier says coming into our next segment as we really have to keep things quick. we got a jam-packed show for you. David Fisher was with the Rockland Boulders last season. Will join us in our next segment um, or sorry, following Hal Lanier, uh, because uh, he's just been picked up by the Minnesota Twins. And when we talk to uh, David, he's actually going to be in the car driving uh, to Minnesota Twins uh, spring training. And I'm really looking forward uh, to see what he has to say. He was a guy that was drafted three times uh, in his career by the Angels, Giants, and the Nationals, and now played with the Boulders last season after a quick injury, and he's back inside the minor league system. He's a, a real good pitcher. He, he was throwing up to 95-96 last season, but a uh, funny thing, he actually never pitched in Ottawa last year, but uh, David, um, he came on to the, uh, you know, to talk to me uh, via text and via phone call before uh, he joined us on the show, and he said, hey, listen, I'm really excited to come on, and I'm looking forward to be a part of the one-year anniversary of Around the Diamond. If last year, uh, March 5th, 2016, was the first ever show, and I'm really happy that everybody has uh, contributed uh, to this ride. Michael Nellis, Corey Mess, Adron Chambers, uh, even Tao Steve has joined us um, from Sportsnet to talk about the Blue Jays. Every time I uh, send him a quick text, 
and uh, as well as the guys that have helped me uh, interact with these baseball players and bring them onto the show because I really care uh, about um, not only the minor leagues, but I care about uh, just uh, get, exposing these guys that are in, and any time that I can get a big league guy is, is always a plus, but uh, I'm very happy to talk with some of the minor league guys because sometimes uh, by talking to guys like Fisher or even Hal Lanier who are uh, really good talkers and have great backstories behind their careers, whether it's in the minor leagues or the big leagues like Hal Lanier, and uh, he spent now uh, 20 years in uh, independent ball as Hal Lanier, so uh, I'm looking forward to see what he has to say. And, uh, and he's going to talk about the acquisitions that the Ottawa champions made in the, in the past uh, um, few months since December. We haven't talked to Hal Lanier since December. That was episode 40. Um, he made some, some big signings this year. So I'm, uh, I'm looking forward and, uh, to see what he has to say. And then David Fisher from the Minnesota Twins Spring Training Camp will join us uh, to finish off the show. That's going to wrap it up for this first segment. Once again, we have a jam-packed show. The one-year anniversary of Around the Diamond here on CKDJ 107.9 begins coming up next. Stay tuned. We'll be back in a few. Hey, this is Milwaukee Brewers' Art Charles, and you're listening to Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9. Welcome back to episode 51 of Around the Diamond here on CKDJ 107.9. It's the one-year anniversary of Around the Diamond. Once again, I'm your host, Diamond Dante. Last week, we were joined with three of the newest Ottawa Champions acquisitions, James Mulry, Tyler Norgren and Steve Drowned all joined us. And with that, let's bring on one of the first ever guests that ever joined me on this show. It's uh, Ottawa Champions manager Hal Lanier. How are you doing on this, uh, I guess, uh, probably a pretty uh, fine day in Florida? Yes, it is. I'm doing very well. Thank you. And, of course, Hal, uh, let's start off with a couple of the signings that you made last week. Um, just before we get into uh, the five guys that you had signed, uh, take us through uh, the two Latin guys that you picked up in Victor uh, Berwarte, I believe that's how you say it, and uh, right-handed pitcher Rydell Sanchez. Well, Victor had great numbers. He's been around for a while, but his classification is only a two. And <clears throat> what I saw in him and... Um, down in St. Petersburg at Nick Belmonte's camp for 12 days. I was down there. Um, I was very impressed with him. He's going to be a guy that uh, will be in the back of his back of our bullpen. Uh, he's got great velocity. He throws sidearm, and he's got a very good breaking ball to get right-hand hitters out on. But um, his numbers are very good uh, from the standpoint of uh, innings pitch, Base on balls, strikeout ratio. Uh, he's got good control. Uh, he was in the Frontier League um, a little bit last year. And, again, I, I was very impressed with what I saw. Um, I think he pitched like four times down there, uh, equivalent to probably about eight innings. So uh, I got a good look at him. And that's I really enjoy going to these camps, especially you know where I can see him with my own two eyes. So uh, it's a good signing for us. Uh, right now, if we would start the season, he would probably he would be our closer because he's done that before. And, and how just from what you saw, if you could even have a did you have a radar gun or anything? How hard does he throw in terms of, you know, if he's going to be a closer? I'm sure he has some velocity as well. Well, even though he throws sidearm, he still gets it up there. Ninety two, ninety three. Okay. And before that, he threw harder. 
Wow. Um, you know, again, it was only February, so I, I think there's still a little bit left in the tank when you throw in 92 and 93 uh, in February. Uh, I don't know how much he had thrown before he came there. I'm sure he's been throwing because you just don't lay off all winter and come out throwing 92 and 93 with a good breaking ball and good control. And based off uh, Victor, uh, most likely to be the closer with the Ottawa champions, I I guess it was a tough role to fill with losing Tyler Wilson to uh, the Long Island Ducks earlier this offseason? Well, it it is. Um, You know, I wish Tyler all the best. Uh, We had long talks before, you know, we made the trade with Long Island. And he really, you know, uh, he really loved Ottawa, but he really wanted to get traded to get more exposure maybe from another league. Uh, he's going to be, I think he's 27 years old. So, you know, going to the Atlantic League, he's going to get a lot of exposure. He's going to be facing a lot of different hitters. And I don't know what his role is going to be over there. I mean, if, if um, I was just looking out for his welfare, you know, it was, it was tough um, trading one of the best closers in the league, of course, and getting a player to be named later. But that's the way the, Atlantic League, you know, operates. They give you a player to be named later. But the positive thing on that, uh, Billy Horn is a pitching coach, so he'll know who the players are that they're going to release probably uh, before their season starts in April. So at, at that point, do you feel like you will probably get an Atlantic League caliber player that will have success in the Can-Am League for Wilson in the deal? Well, you never know. Uh, again, um to be honest with you, I've never had too much luck with the Atlantic League from the standpoint of getting a quality player because they have a lot of players that they bring to camp, a uh, bigger roster than what we have. And you just never know what they're going to get rid of. Uh, I don't know what their roster is right now. But, uh, again, they start up uh, you know, a month earlier than it, than we do. And, you know, Billy's going to keep his eye out for us and see what uh, – is available if it's a an outfielder then you know i don't have room for an outfielder it's got to be an infielder or you know a pretty good reliever and you talk about the bullpen and the outfield of course you you, you've made a lot of acquisitions over the last few weeks and trying to fill your bullpen uh and your outfield as well as ottawa champions manager hal lanier is here with us on around the diamond and 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 i was going to ask you about this uh, later in the interview but you already mentioned the name and that's billy horn we haven't talked since billy horn uh, was uh, was signed by the Long Island Ducks, and, and they always say when you're a job, you're not you know you're not burning any bridges when you go and take a bigger opportunity. How do you feel about Billy Horn going over to the Atlantic League and, and getting a huge opportunity to be the pitching coach in Long Island? Well, I think it's a it's a good step in the right direction for him. You know, I hate losing him because not only was you know he did an incredible job with the pitching staff for two seasons. Um, Billy and I were very, very close. And again, I, I almost had to talk him into going. <laughs> and uh, again, you know, he, he really, really didn't know what direction he wanted to go. And I just tried to explain to him, you know, being around and older, I said, you know, this is a good opportunity for you. You'll probably get more exposure. You'll be around double A, triple A, ex major league ball players. And, the team that you're going to is probably one of the top two or three uh, exposed ball clubs in, in baseball. Um, being in the States probably gets a little bit more exposure with scouts. 
And the team that um, that he signed with, they own two other ball clubs. So yeah. if he wants to manage, you know, down the road, you just never know uh, what's going to transpire there. But again, um, I just wish him the best of luck. And uh, you know, he's done a great job for. He's a very good friend, more than a friend. Uh, so you know, we all we can do is just wish him well. And, of course, now that you talk about Billy Horn, uh, you got a hold of Phil, and that's the pitching coach position. Hal, have you made any progress in trying to find a pitching coach? And if you can give us a little bit of insight on what you are looking for in someone to come to the champions and be the pitching coach this season. Well, we're still, you know, looking at different individuals. We're getting resumes in uh, uh, throughout since we, you know, announced Billy was leaving. But... um, Miles and I are talking every day about, you know, what kind of person we want. And, you know, we're on the same page and, you know, we'll make a, we'll, we'll find somebody that will fit right in with us. And uh, I think it will be in the near future. Hal Lanier, the manager of the Ottawa Champions, is here with us on Around the Diamond. We're talking about the acquisitions this offseason. And Hal, uh, of course, one thing that uh, the, maybe the regular fan doesn't know about the Can-Am League is that you need to have five rookies. And it seemed like uh, you went up and picked uh, three uh, pretty good rookies uh, this week. Uh, you went out and signed James Mulry, uh, who was at a Division One university last year. Tyler Norgren, who played in the Pacific Association. And infielder Brandon Fisher. Uh, talk to us about those three guys and what you liked for them in the, in the camp that you saw them well Mori is a left-hander and I was very impressed with him the first day I saw him um, I wanted to get him on a new contract as soon <laughs> as possible because I know that you know we had a lot of scouts down there we had a lot of other managers at Nick Belmonte's camp and um, I was just very impressed with his uh, command of his pitches um, he comes sidearm on left-handers he gets it up to 90 to 91. Um, he just attended an Arizona winter uh, league camp out in Arizona by the Diamondbacks. And I guess a lot of people saw him out there. I know one of the managers from the American Association got in contact with me and wanted to trade for him. So I guess, uh, you know, the way that he threw out there, um, I'm very surprised that the Diamondbacks didn't sign him in St. Petersburg at Nick's camp because um, uh, they had two people from representing the Diamondbacks down there. And he did everything right down in St. Petersburg, uh, control-wise, his breaking ball. Uh, he still has to work on his breaking ball a little bit, but um, he's got a great change-up also. He's going to get a, he's not, and he's not going to be just a lefty-lefty guy. Uh, he's capable of getting right-hand hitters out because his ball runs away from right-hand hitters, and it goes down pretty well. So, um, you know, I'm very happy with uh, uh, getting a young arm like that. He's, he, I guess he just turned 23 years old. So uh, you're going to, I think, hear good things about him. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Hal Lanier will be still with us for the uh, later part of the show on uh, CKDJ 107.9. You're listening to the one-year anniversary. It's episode 51 of Around the Diamond. Hal Lanier will be still with us going into our next segment. We'll take a quick break. We'll be back in a few. Hey, guys. Shortstop Junior Rowe with the Rock and Boulders. You're listening to Around the Diamond on CKDJ 1079. 
Welcome back to episode 51 of Around the Diamond here on CKDJ 1079. Once again, I'm your host, Diamond Dante. Hal Lanier, the Ottawa Champions Manager, is still with us on Around the Diamond. And Hal, and based off uh, talking to James Mulry uh, last week, it seems like, uh, you know, he's a guy that's going to go into the bullpen from the conversation that you had with him. Yes, he is. He started, he started in, um, in college and relieved. And we sat down, you know, after I made a decision that this is one of the players I, I wanted. Uh, it didn't take many outings either. And, again, uh, I asked him what he felt that he was more suitable for. And he said, I, I really enjoyed coming out of the bullpen. And so that's, you know, we needed a lefty uh, coming out of the bullpen. We needed another lefty. I like to have two left-handers. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's going to work out that way. But uh, I'd like to, you know, like we had last year, have two left-handers and uh, um, four right-handers coming out of the bullpen. But he will uh, he'll fit nicely in our in our in our bullpen. Ottawa Champions manager Hal Lanier if yours is here with us on Around the Diamond, and of course, based off losing Moeller and Blanco, definitely a decision you wanted to make and get a rookie left-handed reliever. And the last time we spoke, you also mentioned that you wanted to get a rookie left-handed reliever to spill the, uh, to fill that spot. Uh, but the two other guys that you signed, Tyler Norgren, let's go to him. Uh, it, maybe he'll be the backup catcher this year, or he'll, he will at least uh, come into camp to compete for that job. And I talked to Tyler na- last week, and he said that this was the second year that you saw him at the camp. So what did you like from him in order to to give him the contract and maybe see if he can come and compete for the backup uh, position with Danny? Well, like Tyler said, this is the second year that uh, he's been on our radar. He was on our radar last season at the end of the season, but we just couldn't pull the trigger on it. And again, I was very, very impressed with his defense ability. His throwing was excellent. Um, Every time... uh, he was behind the plate. We would put fast runners, the fastest runners in the camp um, on base. And he didn't, he was under two almost every throw that he threw, and it was right on the money. Uh, very good defensive catcher, blocking balls. Probably got one of the stronger arms you're going to see. I haven't seen uh, an arm like that. And I know with Danny Grier, you know, another rookie, but. Uh, Danny is really not a rookie. <laughs> only by Can Am League rules, he's a rookie because the first year he only had 59 at bats, and you have to qualify uh, to make it a year uh, have 75 at bats. So we got a little break there. So you know, we I think we have two great, uh, very solid catchers. Uh, Danny called a good game. Uh, got some big hits for us last year, of course, winning uh, the championship. Uh, but again, um, you know, they're going to have to battle each other. But I think we have two uh, two very solid uh, uh, defensive catchers. And Tyler also can play a little infield and outfield. So he can run a little bit. So if I have to pinch one for Danny or whoever the case may be, um, I, can, I have that uh, coming off the bench also. Yeah, and it seems like versatility is the number one thing that you want as a manager, especially when you only have two, uh, 22 guys on the roster in the Can-Am League. And for Tyler, uh, uh, from talking to him last week, he played under a, a former infielder in Aaron Miles with the, the Rockies, and uh, he said that he helped his game in the infield. And let's move over to the infield. You made a couple signings last week, Brandon Fisher, and uh, I believe uh, the week before that you signed, uh, or two weeks before that, uh, if I'm not misba- mistaken, you signed Daniel Bick. So based off the infield situation right now with Fisher and Bick, what can you expect from those two guys going into the season? 
Well, if, if Dan, I think this is a a big year for for Daniel Vick because uh, hopefully he can stay healthy this year. Uh, the last two years he's played 62 games and 65 games, and if he can pick up where he left off hitting wise the last month of the season and into the playoffs and into the championship, um, he can be very valuable and. Again, he, he's valuable because he's a great defensive shortstop. But if he picked up his hitting uh, the last month of the season, I think uh, he really worked hard at it with, with uh, Boucher and uh, Jared Lemieux down in the batting cages before regular batting practice during the season. And it showed uh, the progress that he made the last uh, last month of the season. And I told Dan, I said, you know, this has got to be – one of the years that you're going to have to break out. Uh, this is your third year with me, and you know you got to play more games in 62. Organizations want to see a guy playing, you know, at least 90 out of 100 games somewhere through there. And again, um, he's got great range, uh, good hands, good arm, accurate arm, can run. So uh, hopefully he has a good offensive year. Um, Brandon Fisher, um, I really liked what I saw. Again, he was at next camp. And I saw him on a daily basis. Uh, he swings the bat. He's he's a little he's got a little pop in his bat. Uh, he makes contact. He's not going to strike out a lot. He can play every infield position and probably play the outfield also. So it gives us uh, you know with Master Birdie retiring, um, going on to other things. Uh, I needed the guy that can play shortstop and second base, uh, especially. And you know right now we're just having to wait um, until organizations start up and maybe uh, hopefully get a third baseman from some of their releases. But uh, uh, Brandon can swing the bat a little bit. He's going to fool you. Uh, he's a gap hitter, uh, hits the ball all over, runs well. He's, he's going to steal some bases for us. So I think, uh, you know, with his uh, ability to play different positions, uh, just like Master Birdie, he's very valuable. And, you know, like you said before, we have to have five rookies. So usually that rookie uh, is going to be one of the backup infielders. And, you know, if to give Dan some days off, if Dan gets hurt again, he'll step right in there. Ottawa Champions manager Hal Lanier here for us on Around the Diamond. We're talking about all the acquisitions that Hal has made uh, in the last few months. And uh, you speak about uh, Brandon Fisher coming in uh, for Michael Masterberti. Do you feel like he could play almost the, the same way like Masterberti played last season, a guy that can pinch run, uh, play a little bit of the outfield, and uh, come off the bench and play a little infield? And how tough was it to, to lose Masterberti to retirement? Well, it's tough because, um, you know, Michael was a um, good offensive player. He hit uh, like 279 for us. And, you know, you have to give credit to Jared Lemieux, our, our first base uh, coach, because he was in the same division that Jared uh, coached in in college and knew of him, and he came in and, you know, especially when Dan got hurt, um, he really stepped up and he held his own, and you know he's going to be missed. We really thought that, you know, he was going to probably give somebody competition in the infield for a starting role, but again, he decided that um, he was going to do something else outside of baseball and. Uh, Again, I'm very happy to have him uh, for the season last year. He did a terrific job for us. 
And a big splash this past week. He went out and signed Steve Brown. And I, I spoke to Steve Brown last week. He joined us on the show. And uh, he said it was more uh, Sebastian Boucher going out and recruiting him. Steve went out and said, uh, hey, Seb, I'm looking for a place to play. So as a manager uh, in uh, in yourself, Hal, uh, it must be nice to know that Seb has all these connections and, and guys like Steve Brown have fallen onto your lap. Isn't that right? Well, it is. Uh, you know, I know that him and Zeb um, are, are very good friends. And, um, you know, we knew that he was available. And he had spoken to Zeb probably three or four times. And I just thought that this was a great guy to, to be able to uh, sign and not have to give up anything. Uh, I've liked him the last two years. Uh, he's been very solid with Three Rivers. Uh puts up power numbers, drives in runs. Last year he was hurt and still had eight home runs. I think he had 40-some RBIs. So he's a guy that, you know, like I said in the paper, he's he's a total package. Uh, He's going to drive in runs. He's going to be right in the middle of the order. He's going to hit some home runs for us, whether whether it's in Ottawa or somewhere else. Um, He's got that kind of power. and, And, again, he's a very good defensive outfielder. So it leaves us with, uh, Four, you know, solid outfielders uh, for the two, 2017 season. Uh, he can play everywhere. He, he, he's really probably played more center field than anything. And if Zeb needs a day off, you know, or we have an injury, here's a guy that's going to uh, be right there for us. And I, I've got a lot of uh, different moves I can make now with all the outfielders. They don't have to play every day. One of them can DH. But I'm out, the DH can go out in the outfield. So, again, I'm, I'm very thrilled and very happy that we were able to get a, a, a class guy like Steve Brown. And his bat is going to, uh, like I said, he's going to be right in the middle of the order. And uh, uh, those first five guys or six guys that we have are going to be very uh, tough to pitch to. Once again, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Hal Lanier of the Ottawa Champions will rejoin us once again. And now he's going to talk about uh, the outfield situation of the Ottawa Champions going into the 2017 season. Don't turn away because we'll be back in a few. The Champions manager, Hal Lanier, will still be with us going into our next segment. You're listening to episode 51 of Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9. We'll be back in a few. Boy Kenny Bryant from the Ottawa Champions. You listen around the diamond with my boy Diamond Dante on CKDJ 1079. Welcome back to episode 51 of Around the Diamond here on CKDJ 1079. Once again, I'm your host, Diamond Dante. Hal Lanier, the Ottawa Champions manager, is still with us on Around the Diamond. And Hal, you you speak about uh, having a lot of versatility in terms of the outfield and being able to DH a guy here and there and maybe give Seb a day off. Do you feel like with having Helms, Sebastian Boucher, Adron Chambers, and now Steve Brown is going to be kind of an outfield that you're always going to move around, that you're going to move up and down the lineup, you're going to change positions, or do you feel that they're all going to have set positions and Steve's going to DH once in a while, Seb's going to DH a little bit more? Because Seb is getting up there in age. He's now 35 years old. Do you so do you feel like it's going to be be more uh, Seb DHing now? Well, I don't. I'm, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to say that. I think that you know um, Zeb is in great shape for about 35, 36 year old True. man. Uh, he takes care of himself. But again, um, he 
he he comes down with some injuries every now and then, just like everybody else. I mean, Helms played a lot of games last year. Um, luckily, he didn't you know didn't get hurt, and I'm really happy to have him back. And Chambers the same way. Uh, when we we when we acquired, acquired uh, Chambers last year, in the last month of the season, he did a terrific job for us. But again, it gives us some. Uh, different looks at who's going to be DH and who's going to be playing the outfield. So time off a little bit uh, for some guys, you know, DH is, is pretty good. I mean, Kenny, when Kenny Bryant got hurt last year, he, all he could do was DH. Uh, he hurt his, uh, his rib side. And again, he did a great job for us and it gives people an opportunity to maybe, you know, take a day off of thinking about playing defense and just concentrated on um, the offense part of the game. And Hal, I almost forgot about this one name that you signed earlier this offseason. You signed Patrick Peterson, a big six foot four left-handed pitcher who uh, will either go into the starting rotation or into the bullpen. What did you like from him when you saw him? Well, I, I haven't seen him. Uh, last year he got hurt. And the first thing that I wanted to know from his agent and him is, was it an arm injury? And it wasn't. I guess the league that he was playing in, he, um, they have to hit. And, mm-hmm. again, um, he, he broke his ankle last year. It's completely healed now. There wasn't any arm issues or anything like that. So, again, I think adding a, another lefty to our starting rotation and Right now, that's you know that's where he's going to be unless you know there's a triple A guy out there that comes and's got unbelievable numbers. But again, uh, he, uh, the year before he pitched 111 innings, so that's a lot of innings uh, to give a starting rotation. And with our four out of five starters coming back, he'll sit right in I think in our fifth slot. And um, you know, really happy to sign him early because uh, I don't think a lot of people knew about him. And we've had several talks on the telephone, and he's still going to try out camps, uh, organizations, and you just never know when uh, guys are going to try out camps with organized ball that somebody may get picked up. I may get a call tomorrow about Prisman or Cordero or whoever the case may be. But, again, um, you know, getting four of our five starters back has got to be a huge thing for us because they're all capable – repeating the, the same year that they had last year. And Hal, just before you go, uh, I've been uh, I've been doing a little bit of research over the last uh, few days, and I want to move over to your time and ask you uh, to go, to backtrack a little bit and go to your time with the Houston Astros when you were the manager of Houston in 1986. And I got in an argument with a few of my friends, and I said Nolan Ryan was your ace in, in, in 86, and they said, no, it was Mike Scott. So who was it? Well... <laughs> <laughs> Mike Scott was a Cy Young winner that year. So, I mean, he won more games than what Nolan did. Nolan was uh, hurt probably halfway through the season, hurt his elbow, had to go on the DL, missed a few starts, uh, came back, and, uh, you know, was on a pitch count for a little while. But, you know, I considered both of them my number one starter. I mean, Scott had just an amazing year that, uh, you know, when when we won the Western Division and, you know, came one game short of getting into the World Series. But Scott was very dominant that year. Um, one other thing we got to discuss also before we get off the air, um, one of the 
other pitchers that I saw him, Riddell Sanchez, uh, right-hander. Um, his numbers will, will fool you. Um, again, he had double-A time. And last year he pitched um, in, in Mexico for a while. Um, some people and organizations tried to change his delivery. They made him, you know, they wanted him to come three-quarters or sidearm and he he's just not, not that kind of pitcher. I mean, he drops down a little bit, but uh, he's really more over-the-top pitcher. And he was still in 90-93 also. Wow. And he had good movement on his fastball. And I think he will fit very well in our in our bullpen also. Uh, that's where I have him uh, uh, to start off the season. Uh, and, again, it depends on, you know, what happens uh, – the next two months with our starting pitchers. But um, I was very impressed with what uh, what kind of command he had of his pitches. He's around the plate a lot. He's going to be tough on, on right-handers and left-handers because his ball runs away and runs in on right-hand hitters, and that's where he's got to focus on pitching to be successful in our league. But he's got double-A time. And any time that you can sign somebody like that, um, even with some of the numbers that he put up, <clears throat> he had some good numbers in the Carolina League, and that that's what was very impressive. You know, not only did I get to see him for 12 days again down in uh, St. Petersburg, but again, uh, his, his numbers in, in the Carolina Carolina League, usually if you're in the four earned run average, you've done a great job, and he was under four. So I'm looking forward to seeing him coming out of the bullpen, and he's a guy that can be a, you know, a setup guy. Can go the seventh, eighth inning. Um, if you need him to go three innings, he's capable of doing that. So we just have to add some other arms in our bullpen. A long guy, um, you know, we have Cooper coming back, which I think he did a great job for us last year. So um, it's coming around. Uh, the roster is coming around very well, and again. Uh, I, Nick and my priority right now is finding um, a quality third baseman, experienced third baseman. Um, that's probably the hardest position to fill um, for independent baseball. But um, I'm sure that we're going to come over, you know, come up with a name and uh, get a quality guy um, after spring training starts and the organization starts releasing guys. We needed another lefty, experienced lefty coming out of the bullpen, but. I'm really happy where we're at at this particular time. Um, uh, there's a lot of clubs that need a lot more than what we do, but getting you know, probably 12 players back from last year's season, really um, uh, it's very gratifying to me that they all wanted to come back. And um, they were one of the most, probably the most important reason why uh, I'm coming back. Uh, I had players calling me up and saying, you know, you can't retire. We want you to come back. So <laughs> I owed it to them also. But I still enjoy the game. You know, people ask me, well, how long are you going to do this? I don't know. I, I When I get tired of it, I'll be the first to know. How it seems like you're never going to get tired for it. You've been it for, what is it, 30, 31 years now? or More than that. <laughs> well, I, I mean. Uh, <laughs> 40, 40 something. 40 something. Independent baseball. Um, I've been in it probably, this would be my 19th year. Wow, and independent baseball, but um, yeah, I'm having, I'm still having fun. I'm enjoying it. I'm in a great city. I'm in a great organization. Um, 
really love the front office people. Miles has been very good to me, and you know, we talk daily about where the team is, and everyone is on the same page. So I'm very happy right now. And, of course, Hal, it seems like uh, you have a pretty good roster set for the 2017 Can-Am League season. Hal, once again, thanks for joining us. And uh, we'll touch base with you again when uh, you uh, you make a little bit more moves this offseason, and we'll see where the team goes from here. Well, thank you very much for having me on. Always a pleasure. That was Ottawa Champions manager Hal Lanier here with us on Around the Diamond. And, uh <laughs> A quick uh, half an hour talk with Hal. He's always uh, very uh, uh, nice when he comes on the show, and he's not afraid to talk about uh, the acquisitions that he made, um, You know, the process of getting a new pitching coach and some of the players that he had to release. And uh, Obviously, it's it's a tough business in baseball, but like he said at the end of the, the interview, he said... You know, he's been at uh, 40-something years, and he's not ready to give it up. And, you know, some of the guys on the team, uh, you know, were calling him to say, hey, Hal, you got to come back, and uh, he's doing it for the players this time. And uh, I'm not saying that he doesn't, but uh, he's, a, he's a real great guy, and it's always nice to talk with Hal on the show. He's always been a, a great guest to have on uh, Around the Diamond. Uh, coming up next, we're going to be joined by uh, former Rockland Boulders pitcher David Fisher. He just signed with the Minnesota Twins and is currently driving to Twins camp. We'll talk with him coming up next. You're listening to episode 51 of Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9. Hey, this is David Fisher from the Minnesota Twins, and you're listening to Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9. Welcome back to the one-year anniversary of Around the Diamond here on CKDJ 107.9. You're listening to episode 51. I am your host, Diamond Dante. Before, we were talking with Ottawa Champions manager Hal Lanier. Now joining us over the phone is uh, uh, David Fisher, all the way from uh, from uh, Minnesota Twins Spring Training, or at least driving to uh, Twins Spring Training. David, welcome to the show. Thanks for taking the time. Uh, good. To, good. To, thanks for having me, Dante. Good to be here. And And David, of course... First off, just take this in. How does it sound right off the bat uh, to be a part of the Minnesota Twins organization and back uh, into organizational ball? Uh, it feels good, obviously. Um, I haven't gotten down there yet. I'm, I'm on my way driving down, but uh, I'm excited to just meet everyone and kind of uh, get comfortable with the organization. And uh, I don't know any of their coaches. I don't know too much uh, about what's going to happen, but looking forward to having a good spring training and uh, see where it goes from there. What can you expect? I guess as soon as you get to the facility, you're gonna you're gonna be around a whole bunch of big league guys, double A, triple A, triple A guys, and of course you've spent the last two seasons in independent ball. So once you get onto the scene, what can you expect? Do you have any plans of who you're gonna be meeting, coaches, uh, front office? What's gonna be the deal once you get in? I'm sure I'll meet a few of their uh, um, coordinators and things like that. And uh, it's just like anything when you come into a new situation, you wanna. Uh, I'm a big kind of feel the situation out first, keep your mouth, uh, keep your mouth quiet and, uh, uh, just learn from all the other guys there. But yeah, it'll be fun. I know they have uh, a lot of good young talent there and, uh, uh, they're an up and coming uh, organization and they got a lot of good things ahead of them. So it's, uh, it's something I'm looking forward to. And like I said, I don't know who I'm going to meet. So, uh, I'm just excited to get down there. David Fisher of the Minnesota Twins organization is here with us on Around the Diamond. Is there anyone in, that in, in the organization that you might have played with or against that you know? Any any friends? I know that there is a, a former uh, guy that you played against last year in uh, Leandro Castro with the Jackals uh, that is with the Twins organization that you might see this spring training. Is there anyone else that uh, you might know down there? 
Yeah, I know a couple. Castro ended up, I think, playing for us at the end of the year too. And Rob oh, right, he last did. Year, so, um, but I think he had been in with the Jackals too, and a bunch. Of, I mean, he's been all over the place. The guy's a really good player. Um, but yeah, it'll be good, good to see him. I got to know him a little bit over the last month in Rockland. And then uh, I have a couple friends I played with uh, in summer ball in college. I think that are on the uh, different levels of the uh, twin system. Uh, so it'll be good to see them. A couple guys I played with when I played with Wareham in the Cape Cod League, and uh, I think they're doing real well. So I haven't seen them in I don't know two, three, four years, even maybe even five. So um, it'll be good just to catch up with them and, and see how things are going with them. Yeah, sorry, I totally forgot. I remember uh, that uh, it was with the paper situation that when you played Ottawa in the finals, that Castro couldn't come over and play for you guys in the finals, and I and I believe yeah. uh, McDonald was injured. I'm trying. Was it Mac who was the center fielder? Yeah, when- Quentin. Yeah, Quentin Mac ended up playing center field. I think uh, for that for those two games up there. Mm-hmm. Um, which was good. It was real good. And you guys won those uh, those two games, of course. <laughs> yeah, we flip flip flopped them. <laughs> we beat you guys at your place, and then uh, you came down and whipped our butt at our place. Yeah. Won the whole thing. So. Well, uh, your boy Coop, I remember sitting in the car just to not to get off track or anything, but I remember sitting in the car and I said, "Coop," uh, I shook his hand. I said, "Good season," and he says, "We're going into Rockland. We're winning three straight. I guarantee it." And I and I thought he was crazy, and then all of a sudden, uh, yeah. they they won three straight. Isn't that right? I did, yeah. It was, uh, it was wild. It was, I mean, those the whole playoffs was wild for us because we did the exact opposite in uh, Quebec uh, when we when we played Quebec. Yeah, so they we went up to there and and uh, their place and lost two in a row, and then the, uh, we brought it back to our place and, and won three straight. So we were kind of riding high after uh, we beat you guys twice up in in Ottawa, and then we let let it get the best of us because we came <laughs> back home and maybe weren't as uh, prepared as we thought we we should have been. And, of course, for yourself, it seemed like you had uh, been gassed out there. You had been used uh, quite a bit uh, in the playoffs. But I want to go back to the beginning of your career. And, and there's there's been a few guys that have came on this show, David, that uh, have been drafted more than twice. And you've been drafted three yeah. times in 08 by yep. the Angels and by the Giants in 2011. Take us to the first two times that you got drafted, 44th round in 2008 out of high school by the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. What went through your mind in making the decision to go to uh, Bowstone Lake? Uh, or sorry, you were drafted at a, at a high school. What went through your decision to go to, uh, to university instead? Uh, I think it was just a maturity thing. Um, I was a tall, skinny kid, still am, uh, but I, I think I put on about 50 pounds in college. So uh, I was just small and... Uh, uh, they liked me. They were going to probably draft me a little higher, but I, I, my scout that I had, uh, been talking to the whole time was really cool. And, uh, he was real helpful in kind of the whole process. Cause me and my family didn't really know too much. I'm, I'm from, uh, upstate New York, kind of near Saratoga, um, uh, Lake George area around there. And, uh, yeah, I just, I didn't really know much going into it. And so, uh, had, I was just playing American Legion ball and, um, had had a few scouts come and check me out and, and like my stuff. And, Ended up getting picked. It was exciting. Uh, I mean, it was. Uh, I was still in high school at the time, so I don't think anyone had ever been drafted out of high school from my high school before. Um, so that was fun. It was, I mean, it's a long time ago. Think about it now, back in 2008. But I'm definitely glad I went to college. I think, uh, honestly, I think more kids should do that, unless you're getting something uh, absolutely life changing in terms of money and, and a real opportunity to get to the big leagues. Uh, whether it's even just junior college or a four-year university, uh, at least go and get some schooling in you and then uh, let you uh, mature as an adult. And So what this decision came down to for me basically was I was 18 years old and I was like, can I operate on my own right now? Can I go out and like be an adult? And I just looked at myself and I was like, there's no chance that I could do that. So uh, 
I went to UConn. It was probably the best decision I ever made. We had uh, a lot of great years there and uh, uh, ended up transitioning to my career, obviously. And, of course, the University of Connecticut isn't too far from where you're from, so it must have been nice to, to be a, a, at least a couple hours away from home. Um, yep. But when making that decision, you, you talked about uh, not being mature enough to, to go into the system as an 18-year-old. You probably would have started off in rookie ball and played your way up maybe to A-ball at, at that point. Now, David, um, taking that time to mature, mature did did anything go through your mind in thinking about maybe uh, am I going to get drafted again if I go to university? Um, I always had a lot of confidence in myself. Uh, I knew that UConn had a good good program and we had a really good class when I was there. We had actually have uh, I don't know I think six guys in the big leagues from either my class or the class uh, really? above me. Uh, yeah, now we were we were loaded. It was uh, George Springer with the Houston Astros was uh, our center fielder. Nick Ahmed with the wow. Arizona Diamondbacks was our shortstop. Uh, Matt Barnes, he's a reliever with the Red Sox, was yeah. our Friday night starter. Scott Oberg was uh, one of our closers. He's with the uh, Rockies in the big leagues now. Uh, and then we had Mike Olt, who was a class above me. He was a, a third baseman. He was up with uh, the Rangers and uh, the Cubs, and uh, he's in camp with the Red Sox now. So we, we had a really good team, and, and uh, we still have even more guys from that I'm not even mentioning that are in AAA or AA uh, from the same roster. So we were, we were a really good team, and I made a good decision going there just to surround myself with those guys. And yeah, I always, I always had the confidence that I would get drafted again. Um, I, I don't know if that was just a, something that I didn't even really think about at the time, but I was just focused on like playing well at UConn. And then once my junior year came around and there was some interest, I was uh, having a good year and, and I wanted to, to do well again. Uh, I, I was always pretty sure I'd get drafted again. But, I mean, yeah, there's always a chance that uh, you never know. So. Like you said, I got drafted three times. How many people get to do that, I guess? <laughs> Not I, that that's a good thing. I guess you could wear that on your jersey as David Fisher of the Minnesota Twins is joining us here on Around the Diamond. And you were also drafted by one of my favorite teams in the San Francisco Giants in 2011, which was the year after they won uh, their first world, first of three World Series. Um, and obviously you had spent a few years uh, in, in at the University of Connecticut and I mean, it kind of puzzles me to think, why would you turn down that second offer? So, obviously, you made a good decision because you were drafted by the Nationals uh, a few rounds earlier in the 18th round a year later in 2012. But when you got that offer from the Giants, why did you decline it at that point? Uh, it was a combination of things. So, it was uh, uh, a little bit of a weird situation, but I was uh, we were actually playing at Clemson. Uh, we were in the regionals for the NCAA tournament. We ended up winning the, that regional and went and played at South Carolina in the Super Regionals, uh, which we lost, and then they went on to win the whole thing. So that was that was a exciting time just in college baseball, but uh, at the same time with your life, you're kind of trying to figure out what's going to go on professionally after that. Um, but the, actually, when I was uh, a junior, the Angels um, were still very interested in me, and they're the team that drafted me out of high school, obviously. So they... they uh, um, went ahead and tried drafting me in the 16th round, actually, as a junior. And um, I was really excited about that and, and pretty happy. And uh, I don't know if you know anything about when you get drafted more than one time, but when you get drafted, you have to sign this paperwork uh, basically saying that uh, you won't be in cahoots with the team, like setting up deals uh, previous or prior to the draft uh, if it's a team that's drafted you before. So I had filled out all that paperwork with the, the Angels out of high school, at least from what I can remember. And uh, it uh, turns out that they lost it or Major League Baseball. I misplaced it, something along those lines, and uh, they weren't able to draft me. So I, they drafted me in the 16th round, and then I uh, ended up having to 
talked to their scout and he said, hey, listen, we're going to have to uh, put you back on the board. We're not allowed to draft you. So uh, it was a, a, yeah, it was a bit crazy. It was kind of a crazy situation. And uh, I think because of that, everyone had crossed me off their list because I'd gotten drafted and it wasn't until about two rounds later that I found out that the mistake had kind of happened. So um, I'm sure the Giants were, uh, I don't know, happy to get me in the 30th round when they drafted me, but I was a little just discouraged and upset at everything. And uh, so when the Giants drafted me, I was excited. I loved the Giants too, honestly. Uh, I thought it'd be a, a cool opportunity, but I wanted to make sure I'd be able to um, support myself financially if I wanted to get going in pro ball. And I had a kind of a number in my head that I wanted to go with. Um, so I wanted to talk to their scouts about that and stuff. So I ended up going to uh, Cape Cod to play another summer up there to try and uh, make a little bit more money and see if they would uh, sign me out of the out of the league up there later in the summer. And I did fairly well, and it just ended up not being a number that uh, me and my my family decided on. So I ended up uh, going back to uh, back to college for my senior year. It was it was fun though, actually, because I think that same year uh, the Giants put out the franchise on HBO, like their HBO series. So that same <laughs> summer I got drafted, I was watching and following all that. So it was really cool to see like the inner workings of at least the organization, as much as they'd show you from the HBO series, um, which which uh, like I said was was very cool. Um, but yeah, it was kind of a weird situation. I ended up, uh, yeah, just deciding I'm going to go back and finish school, and uh, it was a good decision. I'm glad. I'm glad I made it happen. And of course, obviously, you're pretty happy with the decision as you had an excellent season uh, last year with the Rockland Boulders. And mm-hmm. uh, take us through just going back to being drafted by the Nationals and playing in their system. Uh, in uh, you went straight to Low A with Auburn, and then played uh, with, of course, uh, Andrew Cooper uh, in Hagerstown in A ball in 2013. Mm-hmm. Take us through your, your experience in the minor league system and what you learned there, and did you feel you're ready at that point? Yeah, they. Uh, I always, I know, always knew I had the stuff and I had the ability to kind of pitch at any level. Um, still think I do, obviously. That's why I'm still playing. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the Nationals drafted me. One of the reasons I went back to school was because I wanted to be a starting pitcher because I'd been a reliever in college, and uh, so they drafted me as a starter. They gave me a chance to. Uh, to pitch as a starter my first year did okay but then they ended up transitioning me to a reliever where my my velo was up a little bit uh i pitched well i pitched well for them for the most part um 2013 i ended up uh sorry going past some construction here but uh i uh got moved up from hagerstown to potomac and then just had some control issues and uh, ended up getting hurt but they always treated me incredibly well i thought it was a great organization uh they took care of their players well, and they always took care of me well. So I've never had any ill ill will towards them, especially even after my release. But uh, um, yeah, I've always they they taught me a lot. It's like your first experience with pro baseball. Um, there's so much to learn, so you just try and pick the brain of everyone you know. And and there's a lot of good players in the system when I was there, and it's fun been fun watching all those guys come up and get to the big leagues now, and um, just see where everything's going because they had a, a great system when I was there. That's transitioning to their success at the big league level for sure. Minnesota Twins prospect, I guess you could say, uh, David Fisher was just signed by the Twins last week uh, as he spent last year with the Rockland Boulders. If you were an Ottawa Champions fan, you probably saw him uh, pitch against the Champions uh, this past season. And uh, in 2015, you actually went over to play for Bridgeport, which, uh, I mean, you, that must have been real nice to play alongside all those big league uh, uh, big league players over uh, with the Bridgeport Bluefish in 2015 at the age of 25. But you only played four innings. What happened in 2015? Did you get injured, or what kind of happened there? Yeah, so I ended up, uh, I was a little discouraged after getting released from the Nationals uh, right around the draft in 2014. So I was hurt. I had like an uh, elbow problem. 
nothing that ended up requiring surgery, but just wasn't the same. Uh, rehab from that, and then uh, came back and tried to uh, play in the Atlantic League the the next year. Uh, I think my head just wasn't in a good spot at that point. Um, my arm still wasn't quite quite there, so I went down and pitched for him. I made the team out of the tryout. Um, I just, yeah, I just didn't pitch too well. And then they ended up uh, releasing me. And I said, you know what? I think that's, that's good for me. I'm going to call it a career baseball wise. So I ended up getting a job uh, in Boston, worked for a full year, basically in an office job. Um, and then about <laughs> February of the next year, I got started getting the itch and I was like, you know what? Like I can still do this. I know I'm pretty good. And I decided I'd uh, try and go play in Rockland. How did you get seen by uh, Jamie Keith, the boulder of the the Rockland, uh, or sorry, the the manager of the Rockland Boulders? Was it just going to a, a camp, uh, a winter league, or, or what was it there? Um, so my younger brother, uh, he played baseball at Columbia University in New York City. He was a catcher, um, and he played with the Boulders in 2014 when they won the championship. Actually, really, out of uh, yeah, so that was cool. Um, he was a backup catcher, uh, had a good time. So Jamie knew me a little bit from there. And then uh, one of Jamie's uh, former uh, coaches, and I think the one of he was an assistant under him. One of his really good friends was my manager uh, in high A was when I was with the Nationals. So uh, he actually tried to get me to come down there. I think in 2014 after I got released, but I was hurt, so um, I just didn't end up making sense at the time. Um, so I didn't end up doing it. But yeah, so I, I kind of just was like, you know what? I'll take a shot in the dark. Give him a call, and he invited me down to their spring training, and I. Uh, did well, made the team, and then, uh, yeah, had a good season. So you're telling me you just showed up to spring training this past season and said, yeah, you know what, I'm going to try out for the Boulders, and then all of a sudden you're, you lead the league in strikeouts. Is that pretty much what happened? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I took the two months before and really made sure I got myself ready two, three months before. Uh, I got back in baseball shape. I was, kept myself in good shape. I was playing basketball and doing all sort of working out, doing stuff like that, but... Yeah, I got myself back in baseball shape and was like, yeah, you know what, I'm, I'm just going to kind of go into this and uh, not put any pressure on myself, just try and have a little fun playing baseball, um, see what happens. And then, yeah, I, I, uh, I uh, had a good year. <laughs> well, uh, well no, no kidding, you had a good year. You had a yeah. 291 ERA, one of the best ERAs in the league behind uh, Austin Crisman. And uh, I believe uh, that one of the uh, – it was another guy, uh, the pitcher for the, the Aglas – uh, for some reason, his name has just slipped my mind. But anyways, of course, you, you led the league in strikeouts. Uh, you started off this season a little bit slow, but you really picked things up uh, towards the second half of the year. What did you feel uh, was the key to your success with the Boulders this past season in being able to rack up so many strikeouts, keep your uh, the runs down low, and give your chance to win every night, or your team a chance to win every night? Uh, I think it was just a combination. Uh, at the beginning of the year, I was still a little nervous to see what I was going to be able to do after not playing for a full year, and I just shook the rust off a little bit. I kind of almost just stopped caring about the result, and I was like, you know what, I'm just going to go out and uh, throw a competitive pitch every pitch, and uh, that's what I tried to do. Uh, Richard Salazar was a uh, real help for me, too. He's been uh, in Rockland for three or four years now. He's uh, one of our other starting pitchers. Mm -hmm. I liked talking to him a lot. He was a little older and just had some experience and helped uh, with some things with my mechanics and delivery and being a starter and just being able to work through things like over the course of a game versus a reliever when you can you just don't get as many innings and as much time on the mound helped me a ton so I was blessed to be able to uh, be a starting pitcher and kind of work through some problems that I would had been having the previous years that I've been playing and and uh, that really helped a lot honestly and uh, yeah just like I said I went out and tried to throw a competitive pitch every time I wasn't so concerned about the results and uh 
the strikeouts have always kind of been a, a stronger point in my game. I've, I, uh, I've had good enough stuff and gotten the strikeouts, and uh, it's always been a command issue, issue for me. And uh, I managed to keep that under under control for the most part, and uh, it, it worked out well. So you speak about getting all those strikeouts. You want to tell us about uh, the couple of the pitches that you throw and where you average with your speeds? Sure. Yeah. Um, actually, I was I was just when you were saying before that the Ottawa fans probably see me pitch. I never actually got to pitch at your guys' place last year. It's the only uh, place I, I didn't get to pitch at. I don't think I ever called any your any of your games. That's why I was yeah. ju- I was just kind of thinking about that over the last past few minutes. Or else I would have seen it on yeah. the gun. Yeah. It was. Uh, it was uh, it was wild, but yeah, I never got to. I always wanted to because everyone talked about how it was their favorite mount. Um, oh, it was oh. a good place to pitch. Best but, ground uh, screw in the league. Yeah, oh yeah, it's a beautiful field, beautiful field. So I, yeah, I just I never got to never got to pitch there, unfortunately. But um, yeah, so I throw uh, I'm fastball, curveball, changeup, slider, pretty standard. Um, fastball, I'm uh, usually comfortably in the, the low 90s, 90 93. I think I was up to 96 last year as a starter. Um, and then uh, curveball is probably uh, uh, my best off speed pitch. Throw that a good amount. I don't know. That's high seventies, low eighties. Uh, slider, I, I really worked on last year, and that was the one pitch I uh, uh, developed a lot over the course of the year, and, and it got pretty good for me uh, towards the end of the year. And then change up, uh, yeah, just all pretty standard uh, standard pitches, but uh, can throw them comfortably to either side, uh, batter and. Uh, yeah, I mean it's uh, nothing, nothing you haven't heard or seen before, but just uh, learning to command them and and uh, throw them where you want to throw them and and all that stuff. And finally, before we go, it's David Fisher of the Minnesota Twins joining us here on Around the Diamond. And if you uh, decide to watch a Minnesota Twins spring training game, you're most likely going to see David Fisher on the mound. Um, of course, you've just been signed. It's fresh into your head. Before you go, uh, what was your mindset going into the offseason? What did you work on this season? And did you feel like you had a strong chance to get picked up? Yeah, so that going into the off season was, it was kind of exciting because I was excited that I had a good year and I was like, you know what? Like I, the plan when I came back, wasn't really to try and get picked up back up and affiliated ball. It was just to try and enjoy baseball again and, and have a good time playing it and uh, had a good enough year. So I went to the off season and I said, you know what? Like I want to get signed. I'm going to try and get signed. And so that was basically my mission the whole time. I tried to uh, find a place to go play winter ball. I was looking at Puerto Rico, Venezuela, wherever it would take me. Honestly, I didn't care. Uh, I wanted to travel a little bit and use baseball as a muse to do that. Um, so I ended up in Australia, uh, of course. which is kind of wild. Um, but I went over there and played some club ball over there and then uh, was in the uh, ABL at the end of the season with them. And it was, a little, it was kind of exciting. They A lot of the, uh, the, um, the teams that I was playing with uh, were – full of players from the Australian national team and the Australian national team's manager was my head coach. So it was uh, fun playing with them, getting to know those guys. Uh, I'll uh, watch them a little bit here in the world baseball classic coming up. Um, but yeah, so I went over there, uh, met some people. I got some video from, from Rockland and uh, basically just started cold emailing general managers and, and wow. emailing every, every contact I had trying to figure out like, Hey, like let's try and make this happen. And I was just, diligent and persistent and uh just yeah i tried to just do everything i possibly could and uh it was a little different because i worked through the time zone changes in australia but uh, i knew contacts i would get over there would help me at some point too um one of the uh, minnesota twins pitching coaches was actually on my team so he's a low-level pitching coach over there i think rookie ball or short season 
got to know him kind of well. And it wasn't even the, through his connection that uh, I ended up getting signed. But, um, yeah, it was just really trying to focus on that. I was talking to a couple of different teams basically loosely. And then uh, the Twins kind of came through at the last minute here. And um, it, it ended up working out. So it's, it's, it's exciting, like I said. But, yeah, that was my goal going into the offseason. And I just really tried to um, – What's the worst they're going to say? No, right? Yeah. I mean, then I'm in the same spot. <laughs> so I wasn't too concerned about uh, what was actually going to end up happening. But I said to myself, I mean, you had a good enough year. You still got this ability. Uh, I know mentally I still think I have the ability to play at the big league level. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just I just put out all my effort into to doing that. And uh, it ended up working out. So um, I was excited. I had a, lot, I have a real good support system with my family and, uh, the boulders have been amazing. There was probably my favorite summer of ever playing baseball, honestly. And, uh, uh, they were obviously great to me the whole time I was there. So I really appreciate everything they did for me too. And it seems like everybody enjoys playing in the independent leagues because it's all about winning David Fisher. That's going to wrap yep. things up here. Joining us here on around the diamond. It's the one year anniversary and it's episode 51. David, Hey man, thanks for uh, taking the time and a safe drive up to spring training with the twins. Thank you. Dante. keep it doing a good work here. I like it. Like it a lot. And that's going to do it for episode 51, the one-year anniversary of Around the Diamond here on CKDJ 1079. And just like last week with episode 50, I want to thank everybody who's joined me on the show over the last year. Hal Lanier, I want to thank him for joining uh, me on the show uh, on episode 51. And I also want to thank uh, the man who just joined us in, David Fisher. That's going to wrap up episode 51, the one-year anniversary of Around the Diamond. Next week, Michael Nellis will rejoin us. Matt Padgett, the new manager of the New Jersey Jackals, will join us on the show and we will also be joined by Sebastian Boucher, the Ottawa champion center fielder and hitting coach. You've been listening to episode 51 of Around the Diamond on CKDJ 1079. We'll see you next week.